All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bringing the Ma to Mastectomy podcast. This is our first episode. Uh, my name is Kevin. I am joined by my beautiful wife, Jen, who is the entire reason for why we're recording this. Hi, um, guys. Thanks for listening in. Uh, so we figured we would take this first episode to kind of introduce Jen's background for the people who don't know her and, and don't know kind of the backstory to why uh, we are where we are at this point. Um, so Jen, why don't you take a second and just introduce yourself for the people who are listening who may not know you. Go ahead. <laughs> Hi. Hi, guys. Um, again, thanks for listening in. Um, the whole reason that I wanted to do this podcast is just to tell my story. I've um, been through a lot for the past couple years, and a lot has gone on within the recent couple months. And um, I'm very public on it on social media, and I just wanted to have um, this platform just to kind of reach out to um, a whole other group of people, and um, hopefully my story my story will resonate with someone or help someone, and that's the whole reason why I want to do this. Um, so a little bit about myself. Um, my name is Jen. I'm from Connecticut, and um, my whole story started um, basically with my mom. Um, when we were in eighth grade, um, we, as um, me and my two younger sisters, um, we found out that my mom was diagnosed with a very rare cancer. She was diagnosed with what is called appendix cancer, um, appendiceal carcinoma. It is a very, very rare cancer that you really don't hear about nowadays. So when you when you say very, very, very excuse me, very, very rare. Like what, do you know any like actual numbers on that? Because I know, I mean, I know your mother and one other person mm-hmm. who have, who have had that and that's it. Yeah. So I don't know if you know any actual numbers on that. Or... I don't know specifics, but I know it's a very rare cancer to so, come by. Yeah. Um, so at that point, you know, in your, in your childhood, essentially, because you know, you're 14 years old, you're still very much a kid. What, um, like how did, how did you react to that? Like, how, how did, more importantly, like, how did your, how did your family react to that? Um, my mom was sick for a really long time. Um, I remember, um, and it just got to the point where, um, she was going to multiple doctors and when they actually found out she had cancer, you know, when you're that young and you hear the C word, you automatically think, you know, it's a death sentence because, you don't really know anything about it if you haven't really experienced it. Well, I think, too, given that point in time, 15 years ago, the amount of progress that they've made with the ability to diagnose cancer early as well as even treat advanced stage cancer has, like, increased exponentially. It's, right. it's incredible. Right. So, um, so it's understandable. Yeah. So I didn't really have, like, I guess, experience or I wasn't very familiar with cancer. So, um, you know, I automatically was, my first words out of my mouth was, is she going to die? And I just started crying. And um, she reassured all of us that she was going to do whatever possible in her will to do whatever she can to beat this cancer for us. Um, She had kids, and that was her will to live, and she would do anything in her power to get treatment and to fight and to beat it. Awesome. So looking at that from kind of like your perspective as a as a 14 year old and, and watching 
you know, your mom go through everything that she, that she ended up having to go through. Um, what did you, what did you take away from that? That kind of led to the decisions that then you had to make as a 25 year old. Well, I've, you know, we've all seen her go through the treatment process, which included multiple surgeries. She went through chemotherapy and we've seen her on her deathbed pretty close multiple times. And that's very, very scary. And, um, you know, we've seen the effects of the chemotherapy, which is absolutely horrible. It's horrifying. And, when you're in that spot, you're just kind of helpless watching her go through day by day, just barely hanging on, just crossing your fingers that she's going to make it to the next day. So I think what I took away with it was watching her, although struggling, she um, kept her head up and she didn't give up and she stayed strong. And that really, really, you know, watching her do that and watching her positive attitude all the time, really resonated and influenced me with my decisions that I had to make, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. So, and I guess, um, one last thing that I think I wanted to, to touch on with that, obviously that was like a a very difficult time for you and your family and, you know, understandably. So, um, when finally your mother was able to come home and, and was deemed cancer free, did, did that change your perspective on, life in general? Um, well, those of you that don't know, um, you know, when she was seeking treatment, um, the cancer ended up coming back and multiple doctors told her that um, there was nothing that they could do for her, basically leaving her to just die. So when you say cancer came back, was there a point in time that she was deemed cancer-free? Yeah, she went through treatment, the chemo, and multiple, like, small surgeries to um, remove, you know, her appendix, and um, it had spread to other organs, so they had to take um, bits and pieces of different organs to get the tumors out and basically get the cancer out. So by her going through that and by going through the chemotherapy, um, she ended up going um, to Washington, D.C. Um, for having an experimental surgery, which ultimately saved her life. So, okay. Um, but so either way, so finally when she was home after the experimental surgery, cancer-free, hopefully, as we know now, for, for, for the, uh, a very long time. 13 years. Um, which hopefully it stays that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> was that something that then, you know, going forward, obviously having that experience at such a young age, that's not something that your typical 14-year-old has to has to deal with as well as has to deal with and be like the the role model for their younger siblings, you know, be the one who has to put on the the face of everything's going to be okay and I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Did that did that change your perspective and how you view certain things? at all or yeah it um just watching my mom like after she got the official you're cancer free you're in remission how just happy she was and how appreciative of life and full of life she was and before she was like so miserable and 
um, just in pain all the time and just to watch her turn around and her mood turn around and she was just a completely different person in a good way and um, she just had so much more appreciation for life and um, watching her go through that and so thankful that she was alive and well um, that gave me that same outlook on life interesting so let's let's fast forward a little bit um so when you first went for your bracket testing you were 25 yes so so why don't we get a little bit into why were you tested for the the breast cancer gene in general so so how did we get to that point and why yeah did you even have that test done right so um my aunt, which is my mom's sister, actually got diagnosed with breast cancer, and she was positive for the BRCA gene, which those of you who don't know what the BRCA gene is, if you are positive for the BRCA gene, you are at increased risk for developing breast and ovarian cancer. So when you say increased risk, can you, can you define that? Uh, usually it's about 80% or higher. So an 80% increased risk yeah, or 80% risk to develop breast cancer, period? Correct, yes. Which one? 80% or above chance of developing breast or ovarian cancer. You know, to to break it down even more, four out of five people who have the breast cancer gene, whether that's BRCA1 or 2, eventually are then diagnosed with, with breast cancer. Well, just because you are positive for the BRCA gene doesn't mean that you are going to get breast cancer. It just makes you at a higher risk. Right. Hence, four out of five. That means one out of five does not. Yeah. Okay. 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 So those are still absolutely insane numbers. Yes. When you talk about a diagnosis just from from one gene mutation. Right. So Mm -hmm. since my mother had already had cancer in the past, um, her oncologist really pushed her to get tested for the BRCA gene um, because it does run and can be passed down. Um, it could be passed it's down. hereditary. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so she ended up going, um, the, the oncologist said it would be in her best interest because her chances of getting breast cancer were actually higher because she had cancer in the past. Um, her chances of getting breast cancer would be 90% or higher because of her past history. Yeah, that's that's a good reason to get tested for it. Yeah, yeah. and um, she ended up going to get tested, and she ended up being positive. And because of the risks and what she went through and with all, like, the crap with the chemotherapy and... Um, you know, the surgeries and her experience with having cancer in the past, she did not want to take a chance. So she actually went and got a double mastectomy with reconstruction done to decrease her chances of getting breast cancer. So which was very wise. (laughs) Yeah. So so your mom tests positive for it. And so then obviously makes sense for you to then go get tested. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you did and obviously you get the results back and your BRCA2 positive. Yes. Okay. Um, so when you got those test results back, what was the first thing that you thought about? Um, I kind of prepared myself mentally when I was going to get tested because there was a 50-50 chance that I was positive or negative. So I kind of game planned in my head so I would be prepared. 
And um, I was kind of researching my options if I was positive and watching my mom go through her surgery um, and how well she made out with having the surgery and her results. Um, that really was one of the top options for me at the time. But when I did test positive, I just kind of didn't really put my emotions into it. I was already prepared and I was like, all right, let's go. Like, what are my options? Like put my game face on and was like, all right, what do I have to do? Um, I basically already made up my mind that I wanted to get the double mastectomy with reconstruction just because it removes basically all of your breast tissue and um, basically you would get implants in for reconstruction so you would look like you have breasts when you really don't. Okay, so so you make the decision, double mastectomy, reconstruction, because mm-hmm. at that point, you know, given your family history and, and everything you had to watch your mother go through, you know, not something that you wanted to experience yourself. Yes, they um, actually gave me a couple options. I could be on this um, medication, um, which is like a, essentially like a chemotherapy drug, which would, um, I don't really know how exactly it works, but I could be on like this medication, but um, usually they use it in older women um, who have already had kids and they were in like their late 50s and older. Does it affect reproductive health? Is it that does, okay. yes. It does affect you um, becoming pregnant and it does have some not so nice side effects. So me being so young, that really wasn't an option for me. And then another option would be just increased monitoring, which they tried pushing me to do. But um, my um, thought process was why give cancer a chance? I don't want to go for a mammogram and something start that be so microscopic that it wouldn't show up on any testing, imaging, anything like that and then you would follow up six months or a year later and then it you've given that those cells a chance to grow and then you come up with something the cancer's in your body you don't know how advanced it is you know you you don't you just don't know there's a lot of unknowns and that really just made me feel uneasy so that's why I picked to do the double mastectomy because you're you're physically removing all the breast tissue so it doesn't give the cancer a chance to kind of grow in that area. Well, and also correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you were then, you know, eventually diagnosed with breast cancer from increased monitoring, you would then have also had to have a double mastectomy anyway. Um, it's personal choice, but or that a is that is one of the options. Yeah. So, so you would have to have chemotherapy, radiation, possible surgery. So I would have to basically do that anyways while sick while sick yeah that's insane so with seeing my mom going through what she did with cancer and the side effects of all that I was like oh no I am not putting myself through that absolutely not if I can prevent it as much as I can I'm going to do whatever I can to prevent myself from getting it and so then talk to me a little bit about the the mental aspect of making that decision because obviously you said you know, I, I planned for it. I thought about my options. Uh, for me, and I know obviously being there with you mm-hmm. throughout all this, that it's still a pretty emotional decision to make at 25 years old to 
remove all of your breast tissue, remove the possibility of being able to breastfeed, you know, to, to essentially take away, you know, the way that you had described it to me was like the, your womanhood, quote unquote, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever that means to, to you. So talk me through a little bit about the mental side, because for, for people like myself, Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's hard to to relate, yeah. Because I I don't have breasts, yeah. Right. Um. So it's hard for me, I think, to kind of understand the the spot that you were in, just because I, I you know I didn't experience something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it was very emotional uh, making that decision, just because growing up you know, you're so young, you do have your breasts like your whole life. And, you know, at that time, um, you know, breasts kind of, you know, defined you as a woman. And I know in my thought process, women have breasts and, um, and that's why we chose to get reconstruction because even though we decided to move our, remove our breast tissue, we would still look normal and look like we had breasts with the alternative to placing the implants. So at the end of the day, um, I knew that, yeah, I wasn't going to have my natural breasts, but I was still going to look like a woman. So that kind of made it easier for me to make that decision. But um, it, it was tough because you're like, oh my God, like this is it. Like once... I go through the surgery, like, I'm not going to have anything left. It's just going to be the implants. And I did have to make um, difficult decisions about if I wanted to breastfeed or not because if we, I had the surgery, they remove everything, so I, yeah. I couldn't breastfeed, which I um, made that decision. And um, I would lose basically all feeling in my chest and in my breasts because – of the removal of the tissue and of the pressure of the implants. And, you know, um, for some people with intimacy, that's a really huge thing. Luckily for me, um, it wasn't really a big thing for me. So um, I don't think um, that really was a deal breaker for me. Ultimately, my main goal was to not give cancer a chance and to have my health at the end of the day. Yeah, so I mean, I still know it was a it was a difficult decision for you either way. But obviously, you know the, I think the conversation we had was being able to breastfeed um, means nothing if you're sick, mm-hmm. <laughs> because when you're on chemotherapy, you know, or if you're on chemotherapy, you definitely can't breastfeed, mm-hmm. um, and certainly not if you had to have a lumpectomy or a or a mastectomy anyway. So at that point, it was, you know, it was more important for you to be able to be here yeah. when, when we had children yeah. um, than, you know, being able to breastfeed does not make or break someone as a child. Yes. Um, so, so oh, we decide, right? Sorry. So No, it's okay. Um, so you decide to have, have this mastectomy and you, you go through the process of, of doing so. So for people who maybe haven't experienced, you know, this, this whole process, um, can you describe a little bit about like the the doctors you met with the types of doctors you met with and how kind of the whole process of planning your mastectomy and reconstruction like how did that work so first um i got tested for the BRCA gene at my gynecologist's office and she kind of sets you up with um the appropriate surgeons that you have to see 
Um, I saw a breast surgeon, which um, in the operating room, they are the ones who remove the actual breast tissue. And then once they're done, you have a plastic surgeon who does the reconstruction part of the surgery. So I had to meet with both of those surgeons. Um, You know, both of them were great and they really made sure that I was mentally prepared and mentally sure that I was ready to have this surgery because it's a very, very invasive surgery, very painful surgery. And, um, you know, they, they just don't want you to rush into things because you hear the C word. So did, did anyone ever try to, even while you were going through the process, um, actively discourage you from having the mastectomy? Over here, I'm shaking my head, yes. <laughs> so many people t- just played the age card. You're so young. Why do you want to do this to your body? Like, the, you, you know, the you're so young, you're so young. And I said, yes, I might be young, but I want to be healthy. I want to do this before... I have kids and I want to start a family and start basically my life. At this point, I wasn't married. Um, We weren't even engaged yet. So, um, yeah, I was a little slow on the uptick there. Yeah, I know you made me wait, (laughs) but that's all right. I still love you. (laughs) Those of you who don't know, we've been dating since high school and he waited like nine years to propose to me, but that's okay. Because he stuck with me now. <laughs> but anyways, so yeah, um, so I met with those two surgeons and the plastic surgeon actually kind of goes through like the different types of implants with you. And, um, you know, there's so many options. And at the time, there was this company called Allergan and they came out with a fairly new implant, which was a textured style implant. And um, it had a teardrop shape to it. Normally, implants you see, they're like round and, and filled with saline. And, you know, you have your silicone implants. But these were like a textured, which means like you have a gummy bear consistency inside. And it had a teardrop shape to it. So when it was placed inside of the chest wall, um, you would have this naturally... Um, looking breast you don't you won't have like that round protruding breast like barbie boobs as i yeah so it. well so i also think it's important for people to distinguish here like there's a there's a big difference between augmentation with implants and reconstruction yes. with implants so yes. so what we're talking about here is not um just having an, an augmentation for cosmetic purposes right it was a, a reconstruction for the purposes of still appearing, I, I hate to use the word normal, um, but appearing as if no change had been made. Right. Um, so. And that was my goal. Um, I wanted to make sure that they knew that I wanted to look as normal as possible. So they guided me in the right direction of which implant to use and this implant was um you know great for what i wanted and when i had the procedure done i couldn't have been happier with the results yeah. so I, I don't want to get too much into like the the types of implants mm-hmm. and everything you chose because i think that'll be good for uh for the next time but 
so I think maybe the last thing that we can talk about for, for this particular episode is that at any point while you went through this, right? So even now talking, you know, four years ago from the start of this whole process, mm-hmm. was there ever a time prior to recently mm-hmm. um, that you maybe like second guessed your decision to do this or wished that maybe you had opted for increased monitoring as opposed to having the double mastectomy or has it been like, you know, never looking back since, since you made that call? Are we talking about now or? I'm talking about prior to the whole saga that's occurred for like the past three months. Okay. So, so prior to June of 2019. Yeah. Was there ever a point in time where you regretted your decision or wish you had done something else or insert XYZ here? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, it is, like I said, a very invasive procedure. Um, a lot of people who have been going through the same thing as me um, that are BRCA positive or um, if they have been diagnosed with cancer and they don't know what to do, um, they have reached out to me and wanted to know more about my situation and um, like how everything went. And I am such an advocate, um, you know, for this surgery. And um, I think that, um, my decision to have this surgery at the time was my best option, and I do not regret it at all. Awesome. So I think maybe, you know, that's a good point for us to stop here for the first episode, just to explain, like, a little bit of the background, a little bit about your initial mastectomy, at least. You know, I think next time we can talk about your reconstruction, how you selected the implants, why you selected the implants, and then ultimately... Womp, womp. <laughs> why things maybe didn't work out in the end so thank you all for tuning in stay tuned for the next one and we will see you in a little bit all right bye guys thanks for listening and